Make America Great Again. It's, of course, the slogan that Donald Trump repeated over and over during his first presidential campaign. Had he lost, that slogan would have been thrown into the ash heap of a myriad of other failed political slogans, but he won. And now those four words, when repeated together, caused the skin to crawl for those on the left side of the political aisle. In fact, to counter Make America Great Again, there's a new slogan that's recently been picked up by the left. Make America Think Again. Now, on the surface, it's a mantra that seems to make sense. Of course, we want our citizens to think for themselves. However, however, in this edition of Hidden Headlines, you'll discover how that phrase, Make America Think Again, is actually part of a scheme that has completely taken over broad swaths of our society, like our public school system. In fact, it's a key part of a brainwashing tactic that's been utilized by socialists, communists, and other totalitarian regimes for a long time. It's all coming up in this edition of Hidden Headlines. Welcome, everyone, to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. More on me at briansussman.com. The education system in the United States is doing more to indoctrinate our children than to educate them. This has been in the works for decades. It's a system that rewards students for regurgitating what they are supposed to have learned, especially in subjects like social studies, history, civics, government, even in science. Global warming and climate change immediately come to mind. It's shaping these young minds to think in a certain way, thereby they're being taught to accept authority as truth instead of truth being the authority. Let me repeat that. These students in our government school systems, by and large, are being taught to accept authority as truth instead of truth being the authority. And as such, teachers have become repeaters of carefully selected information. Now, are the teachers to blame? Well, that's certainly debatable. In many, or perhaps most cases, our public school teachers don't have a lot of flexibility with the subject matter because they're employees, they're cogs in the wheel, and they must teach for the tests. Now, I know there are some great teachers out there. There's some well-meaning teachers out there. I know for fact there are friends of mine who are teachers listening to this podcast right now. But in so many cases, these teachers are simply recycling information, information that has managed to evade the scrutiny of most parents for a long time. Thus, children children are no longer the masters of their own learning. Instead, their minds are being treated as storage containers for liberal, progressive, and tyrannical ideas and philosophies and, and ideologies. I suppose you could liken it to a factory model of education. The schools are churning out obedient workers for the system, and encouraging them to conform every step of the way. And it's usually a one-size-fits-all form of education. For example, how many schools today offer auto shop, or wood shop, metal shop, industrial tech, extensive music programs, or even bonafide cooking curriculums? 
You know, there was a time when such educational classes were perfect for certain kids, particularly those with ADD and ADHD. And these classes led to real jobs for participants who weren't interested in college. I have so many friends to this day who have had successful careers in a variety of endeavors. They did not go to college, but they thrived on those special classes that were provided by their schools. I guess you could say we're not treating our students as organic, creative, investigative human beings. Instead, we're treating them as parts in a machine. There, there was a time when our schools used classic books written by people like Shakespeare and Melville and Hawthorne and a lot of Greek guys, not to mention the Bible, as a way to illustrate good moral character. But schools don't want that anymore. That kind of character development is like teaching religion. Can't teach patriotism anymore either because certain people will become offended. Oh, but we can talk about diversity. What about the job market? Are our schools even claiming to be preparing students for a real job market? No, not at all. This public education machine is filtering out a student's natural, inquisitive nature. In 2019, the very liberal Washington Post newspaper cited data from Verdant Labs revealing that in the United States, for every one Republican public school teacher, there are 99 Democrat teachers. One Republican for 99 Democrats. That, that's overwhelming. I believe the ultimate goal of those who run our nation's educational infrastructure is to perpetuate a system that heralds the core values of liberalism and prevents dissent against a liberal system at large. Because the liberal system doesn't want thinkers. It doesn't want people to question its methods. It wants a population that can be easily manipulated and controlled so as to relinquish all power to the establishment, to the elite, to that system. For example... Don't mean to get controversial here, but just look at COVID-19. Listen, I'm not dismissing that it's a real virus with occasional deadly consequences. But to witness the way in which so many just unquestioningly fall in line with wearing masks and social distancing and closing businesses and so on, I mean, this is troubling. While the masses have been told to wear a mask, they've not been told how to properly wear the mask. Which, by the way, folks in the medical community will tell you is very important. We've been lectured to use hand sanitizer, but most people have no clue how much to apply, how to thoroughly rub your hands together, or for how long in order for it to be effective. And by the way, properly sanitized hands are necessary when placing a mask on one's face. But we're not told how to do that. And social distancing. How many times have you been waiting? on your spot in the store, six feet away from the person in front of you, only to have several people rock, walk right next to you while on their way to pick up a box of Captain Crunch or a six-pack of Bud Light. I mean, if this stuff is truly critical to our survival, we're, we're clearly not doing it properly. But again, I hear 
no complaints. So many people just fall in line. Plain and simple, America's citizens are being indoctrinated. If we're going to solve the problem of indoctrination in our schools, we have to encourage asking questions instead of just receiving answers. And providing commentary that will allow for non-judgmental dialogue because real learning, real learning is achieved through the investigative process. But since the left controls the education system, they ask loaded questions designed to further their mind control schemes. Real questions lead to real contemplation, which leads to critical thinking. But pre-produced loaded questions uttered by a dyed-in-the-wool liberal instructor with a grade book leads to autopilot. As a result, students just simply recite the appropriate answers to get the best grade. And in a world where most of humanity is running on the treadmill with the blinders on, a society on autopilot is exactly what those who crave political power require in order to dominate, oppress, and eventually enslave. Technically, we're talking about rote learning, essentially memorization based on repetition. The thought behind it is that the more one repeats the information, the quicker that person will be able to recall the information when needed. I mean, rote learning is great for things like basic math and grammar and music and historical facts and elements of science and so on. However, leaning heavily on memorization obstructs deeper learning. And deeper learning encourages questions and ideas and also leads to recognizing patterns. Patterns that can lead to things like domination and oppression and enslavement. This is why Karl Marx famously proclaimed, history means nothing. Because if we look at history, not through a present lens, but through a lens using historical context, we're able to see past the flaws of great people, like, for example, George Washington or even Winston Churchill, and recognize their esteemed place in the history of freedom. But again, this requires a mind clear of programmed rhetoric. You will not be shocked to know that in a very detailed survey from just a few years ago, there was considerable support for socialism in America. It was March 2017. The conservative magazine National Review reported on a survey by the American Culture and Faith Institute that found four out of every 10 adults say they prefer socialism to capitalism. This is in the United States. Four out of 10. Are you distressed by this? Of course you are. Are you surprised? You're probably not. After all, think about the 2016 U.S. presidential primaries. The avowed socialist, Bernie Sanders, mounted a very tough challenge to Hillary Clinton. And Bernie totally dominated the under-30 vote. Bernie is a guy, by the way, this is true, he did his honeymoon in communist Russia. He did his honeymoon in Russia. 
But why would we expect the millennial generation to understand the horrors of failed socialist and communist experiments of the past and even the present, or the crimes against humanity and the horrors committed by Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, Ho Chi Minh, and again, the communist regimes of today? These kids are never taught about this stuff in their schools. Basically, these students are not taught much about meaningful history, period. But they are taught a lot about race. They're taught a lot about gender. So how could they know anything regarding the tragedy of communism? If they're not being taught about the enlightened history of liberty or the dark history of communism, why shouldn't they conclude that socialism is a good idea? Again, quoting Marx... History means nothing. Students do know about Hitler and the Nazis because fascism is bad. But what they don't learn in the classroom is that Stalin was every bit as evil as Hitler. And if overall murders of their citizens is the fulcrum to weigh evil, it's pretty even between those two evil characters. Estimates of the number of murders vary depending on the methodology. Historian Timothy Snyder, author of a book called Bloodlands, Europe Between Hitler and Stalin, it was written in 2010, cautiously concluded that Hitler killed 11 to 12 million noncombatants. So that's likely learned in the public school system today. But Stalin killed 6 to 9 million. But what today's students do learn about communism, here's what they do learn, that the Cold War between the United States and the communist Soviet Union was unnecessary. And if there's a problem with communism, here it is. No country has done it properly. So the thinking is, therefore, if we had Bernie as president, then we could do socialism properly. If we get Biden as president, maybe then we can start moving down that road in the right manner. But again, you'll only find out about the horrors of communism and socialism if you dig in for yourself. And even then, even then, you'll likely be dubbed a conspiracy theorist by your liberal friends. Meantime, today, while statues of American patriots are being torn down, you can still find Chairman Mao statues being sold in virtually every Chinatown across the United States. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, Mao was responsible for the deaths of millions of Chinese people as he was setting up his communist system in the early 1900s. Seattle, Seattle, there's a monument to Russia's murderous dictator, Vladimir Lenin. Yeah, it's right there in Seattle. Another murder of millions. And then there's Che Guevara, the Argentine communist who helped Castro take Cuba. Che Guevara often beat dissenters to death with a baseball bat, and yet he's celebrated in public murals in nearly every big city in the nation. You want to see, by the way, you want to see fire in the eyes of someone? Mention Che Guevara to anyone who escaped to the United States from Cuba. Oh yeah, Che is depicted as a folk hero kind of like a Robin Hood of his day, taking from the imperialists to give to the oppressed peasants. Students are told that Cuba, under Castro, made tremendous advances in education and health care. But here's the deal, folks. Shea was a murderer. Castro, a murderer. 
As philosopher George Santayana observed, quote, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So here is a question for you. What should students learn regarding the history of communism? Well, I say start with the death toll. Start with the death toll. The first fact that students should learn is the number of deaths under communism. There's another book. It's entitled The Black Book of Communism, Crimes, Terror, and Repression. It was first published in 1996 in France, translated into English in 1999 by Harvard University Press. And it offers an approximate account of the dead under communist regimes. I would share these numbers on my radio show in San Francisco on a regular basis. <laughs> and these numbers would drive the left crazy. But they're, they're for real. They're for real. Here we go. Ready? USSR, 20 million deaths. China, 65 million deaths. These are millions and millions of people who did not want to go the way of communism and were murdered, murdered for their deeply held beliefs. Vietnam, one million deaths. North Korea, two million deaths. Cambodia, two million deaths. Latin America, Africa, Afghanistan, 3.4 million deaths. This is a total of 100 million people who are dead. And this is, folks, this is only in basically the last 100 years. And by the way, the authors of the Black Book of Communism explicitly condemn Nazism, which was responsible for 25 million deaths. But they note that communists and Nazis were equally guilty of crimes against humanity. What's telling is that many leftist critics condemn the 800-page book that I'm referring to, The Black Book of Communism, because of this comparison, comparing communism to Nazism. They don't want that comparison to be made. Yet the facts provided by the authors are just indisputable. Any one chapter shows how evil communism is and why socialism fails. And those who believe that Nazism was worse than communism should read this book. Every single communist police state began with the call for social equality in the name of the downtrodden masses. That's what Hitler was doing early on. Same theme. And the end results were crimes against humanity on a massive scale. The best antidote to ignorance about communism is proper education. In early November 2017, President Trump's White House designated November 7th, again, this was not publicized by the mainstream media in any way, shape, or form. November 2017, President Trump's White House designated November 7th as the National Day for the Victims of Communism in recognition of the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. The press release that was put out by the White House said this, over the past century, communist totalitarian regimes around the world have killed more than 100 million people and subjected countless more to exploitation, violence, and untold devastation. These movements 
under the false pretense of liberation, systematically robbed innocent people of their God-given rights of free worship, freedom of association, and countless other rights which we hold sacrosanct. This commendable statement prompted a young tech reporter, tech reporter, for the liberal, crazy, wild website BuzzFeed to tweet on that very day that this press release was issued. Are you ready for this? Victims of communism is a white nationalist talking point. Victims of communism is a white nationalist talking point. Friends, we're talking about 100 million people who died. And this jackass from BuzzFeed says victims of communism. Well, that's a white nationalist talking point. Then on December 14th, a young science editor for BuzzFeed tweeted, all I want for Christmas is full communism now. Friends, if large numbers of young Americans are declaring themselves in favor of socialism, they've not learned the lessons of history, primarily because such history was never discussed in their schools. What students need to learn from history is that a perfect society is impossible to achieve because of human nature. We're all sinners. We've all got something in our past or even in our present that reveals imperfection. However, however, progress can be made by those who recognize the inherent perfections of mankind, humankind, all of us. All of us have our flaws. All of us have our flaws. By the way, this was the message of personal imperfection that was acknowledged by the founders of America. Absolutely. When you read the writings of our founders, they recognized and articulated their own imperfections. And I might add, it's also a core message of the Bible. I'm going to take you to the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, which says this, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not some, all. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then in the next verse, we read that we can be justified freely by His grace, that's the grace of God, through the redemption that is found in Messiah Jesus. Make America think again. Nope. You can't tell me what to think. You can't tell the listeners of Hidden Headlines what to think. Instead, Let's encourage Americans to observe the facts, think for themselves, and then decide what is best. Such a recipe for action will make America great again. Hidden Headlines. Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. Thank you for joining me, my friends. By the way, more on me at briansussman.com. I also have a Facebook page, Brian Sussman Show. I hope you'll visit that as well. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, please spread the word. Thanks for joining me. And now as callers to my radio show in San Francisco would always say upon concluding their call, I will now hang up on myself. <laughs>